The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN Kansas City, live in studio on this hump day. Lots to talk about as the Chiefs will take on the Dolphins this Saturday. A lot of NFL news as well that I want to get to, but Dylan is behind the glass. Dylan, how are you? No, you're you're, you're not going to answer me. That's fine. No, no, that's cool, man. You were in... uh... External out here, so I'm a little behind. What was the question? Uh, I was asking how you're doing. Good, man. I'm sorry. How yeah, no, no. Sorry. Next time I'll just uh, not ask how you're doing. Just keep going on. It's fine, man. No, I, did, I didn't want to talk to you. Sorry, dude. Apologize for, for trying to ask how my, my boy's doing. My dude, dude. Sorry, chief. Sorry, pal. No, it's fine, man. It's cool. All right, I'm back. No. What were you saying? No, 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 it's fine. The reason why I wanted to talk to you is because Wink Martindale's out as the D.C., as they mutually agree to part ways, and I know you're a big Wink Martindale guy. You love Wink. I, I thought everyone did. I think he's a good D.C. He's, he's He looks just like a D.C. That's just wild that he's getting, again, it's another guy that, I think there was a quote from Dayball saying he expected him to be back. He's expected to be back, but apparently after he fired, uh, was it the safeties coordinator and the linebacker coordinator, oh. which were Wink's very good friends, uh, allegedly Wink Martindale went into Dayball's office and basically just cussed him out. Nice. So after that, it was more or less a uh, um, a win situation. Uh, yeah, source told ESPN that Monday Martindale was expected to resign from his job because... After the decision to fire two of his closest assistants, uh, Martindale proceeded to curse out Brian Dayball. Um, Apparently, Martindale said his piece, got up, slammed the door, and walked out of the building. uh, And then he apparently flew to Florida. (laughs) Some stones from Martindale, huh? So Wink Martindale, uh, hey, and by the way, they mutually agreed to part ways. I will say he had one year left in his contract, and there was some uh, consideration that if he just left on his own, the Giants might just say, all right, well, you're in a contract. You can't sign with anyone else for a year. But instead, mutually agreed to part ways, and they're allowing him to sign elsewhere without restrictions. By doing that, he will have to give up $3 million, which, wow, I don't know if I would do that. But again, apparently things are going great with Brian Dayball there in in, uh, New York, huh? I mean, the defense wasn't great this year, but that was by far their best unit. The offense was atrocious. I will say they had no quarterback. But do they still have a quarterback when Daniel Jones is healthy? Not really. I'm intrigued to see how that goes because... Quite frankly, I think Brian Dable's a great OC. You saw the difference he made with Buffalo, right? The second he left, there was a lot of dysfunction. But I wonder if this is a guy who is a great coordinator, but being a head coach might be a little too big for his britches. Where do you think Wink goes? Is that Peter Principal? The Peter? Peter Principal. Like Peter? No. Like the uh, family well, guy? If you're from Boston, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, like Peter? Yep. 
Uh, what, what's the principle? The principle that just because you're good at your current job doesn't mean you're good at the promoted position. Mm. So it is like PETA, like PETA Griffin. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, where does Wink Martindale go? Um, I wanted to say Baltimore, but their DC is good. Uh, Mike yeah, McDonald, he's, he's... and I don't think anyone's hiring him yet. Um, I mean, I could see him going to who's an offensive mind that's going to get hired. That that's a good spot to start looking. Is who are the best offensive coordinator yeah. candidates for head coaching positions? And then where it's does he go? Easy way to fill a DC position, get people excited about the defensive side of the football. If so. you sign Wink Martindale, you have an easy sell to your fan base. Oh yeah, easy sell. Those glasses alone, the gut, they didn't the want glasses, to fire the hair. You would just say like, well, the guy, they didn't even want to fire this guy. He just quit. Yeah, so. <laughs> good point. Uh, Pete Carroll, uh, this was a massive surprise to me. Pete Carroll out as head coach of the Seahawks, um, but he will stay on as a team advisor. Uh, the owner, Jody Allen, announced this today. Allen said it in a statement the decision was made after thoughtful meetings and careful consideration for the best interest of the franchise. This was shocking because... Same thing as Wink Martindale. We all expected him to be back. Um, Pete Carroll, in his post-game news conference on Sunday, then reiterated again on Monday in a radio interview saying that he intended to return as the coach for the 24 season, saying, I plan to be coaching this team. What do you think? That's just another wild situation. I didn't even think he was in the ballpark, really. I I didn't even have this anywhere near. If you would have given me a list of name 15 coaches who would be, name 20 head coaches, he wouldn't be on the, the list of 20. Now, he said he planned to return as coach. If they ended on such bad terms, do you think he would still be there as the team advisor because that gives me a little of is it more mutual than we all expect is there something that happened from monday to wednesday that we don't know or i guess monday to today that we don't know because if he wanted to be the head coach and then they came to him and said hey you're no longer the head coach and he's pissed off and wants to go somewhere else would he still stay on as team advisor i don't think so right um but part of me also wonders, does he stay as team advisor, or if he gets another opportunity, does he go somewhere else? Hey, with the talk of the Michigan coach Harbaugh going pro, <laughs> Pete Carroll, great college head coach as well, right? Is he not USC, but he goes to Michigan? You don't want to do all that. Huh? You don't want seven plus it's all mil? the extra recruiting and oh, stuff that he doesn't want. No, I'm with you, man. I, but this was maybe the most shocking news around the NFL so far, right? That that had to be atop the list. Who are you going to replace him with that's going to keep kind of the same standard that, that, that he's brought, really? The name that everyone keeps throwing is defensive uh, or Dallas Cowboys D coordinator Dan Quinn. Because he coached there. That's, that's, the, that's the depthness 
of the reporting on that basically is, oh, he coached here before he coached at the Cowboys. An assistant with the Seahawks from 09 to in 010, and then a defensive coordinator in 13 14. Because his first stint as head coach went swimmingly. It was fantastic, right? I, I don't get why Who Dan. led him to. Oh, that's right. The offensive coordinator was Kyle Shanahan. That's right. <laughs> okay. And what happened after? Oh, no playoffs? Oh, uh, okay. I'm not sure about that, but it might as well have been. Um, I think he went the next season, and then after that, it was not. Dan pretty. Quinn, he was 11 and. F- no, no, no. Because his second year with the Falcons, he went to the Super Bowl and lost. Right? First year, they went 8-8. Eight and eight. Second year, they went 11-5, uh, and five, went to the Super Bowl in 2016, blew that 28-3 lead. 17, 10-6, 18-7-9, 19-7-9, 20. Um, what was that? Oh, he was 0-5, then got canned. So yeah, I, I was right. It's one season of ten and six. So basically, he took someone else's team, took him to the Super Bowl, and then went downhill from there. Yeah, and some people would say the offense also went away, and the team kind of went away when Kyle Shanahan got the job in San Francisco. So interesting, kind of the way that DCs go. If yes, you will. they aren't named Bill Belichick or Pete Carroll. Uh, interesting comment here on Facebook Live from uh, Matt Stockdale, a.k.a. Big Country. Appreciate you being here. Um, he said, I think Pete will go to Washington. Washington clean house. Could you see Pete Carroll going across the country to Washington? Maybe. I think if you're going that route, though, wouldn't you try and get or at least wait and see what happens with Belichick? Yeah. If you're going the old coach that's on his last swan song route, you're definitely – going and waiting for what happens in New England before you're jumping at Pete Carroll. Sure. Pete Carroll's like the consolation prize. Well, I, I don't know, man. I think it's 1A, 1B. Because I, 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 I think Pete Carroll... You're, I would agree also with you on that in the sense that I feel like they both accomplished the same thing differently. Where, like, Pete's fun, Bill's not. Yeah, it, it depends how you want your culture. If you want no nonsense, you go Bill Belichick. If you want a little lighter, um, whimsical, you go Pete Carroll. Uh, Bears to keep head coach Matt Eberflus. They fire the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze. I think everyone wanted Luke Getze gone from the get-go. If you're a Chicago fan, Matt Eberflus, a um, little surprised. Uh, what's your what's your surprise level that Matt Eberflus did not also get canned? Because I felt like that was about 50-50. I think it's more surprising after Pete Carroll's news. Yeah. Imagine Pete Carroll gone, right, right. and then all of a sudden uh, Matt Eberflus is still there. Obviously, the GM uh, is the former uh, guy in the Kansas City Chiefs organization. He is staying on, Ryan Poles. Um, but Matt Eberflus is 10-24 and 24 in two seasons as coach of the Bears, and they have a looming decision ahead of them as they decide whether they stick with Justin Fields or if they decide to draft a QB first overall. Uh, very interesting going on there. And then again, the final one that I want to touch on before we talk some Chiefs. Uh, Titans fire Mike Rabel. This happened uh, yesterday. We talked about it briefly, but this was shocking to me. 
I guess we didn't talk about it here because, um, well, we didn't have a show because snow day yesterday. Um, Mike Vrabel gone as head coach of the Titans. He will get picked up very quickly. And what was wild is, I'm paraphrasing here, they didn't trade Mike Vrabel, even though they, they knew they could get something for him. And my takeaway is because they're too lazy. Dylan, I don't know if you read this. I don't know if you saw this. But they understood he had trade value to other teams. They also said that they didn't want to wait out such a scenario. Um, I'm, I'm shocked, man. Mike Vrabel is a damn good head coach. Mike Vrabel is going to be highly sought after because even if you love Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, they're older and you're expecting that. It, those those guys, if you pick up those two dudes, you're win now. Mike Vrabel you can have some wiggle room with. Mike Vrabel is going to be a very hot commodity. He is a top 10 head coach in the NFL. And what I think could be interesting, would he, would Mike Vrabel... If the Pats move on from Bill Belichick, would he go to New England? Is that too obvious? Because that feels like it's too good to be true, right? Former Pat going back to New England, he's kind of no-nonsense. Defense first, hard-nosed, gritty guy. Would be intriguing. Uh, Brantz Phelps, Facebook Live, says, Sup, guys, can't wait to freeze Saturday. Welcome to the show, Brantz. Long time no talk. Saturday is going to be miserable, miserable, man. If you're going to the game, you got more stones than I do. Bring your cardboard. For under your feet. Under your feet. And a little pro tip there. If you're listening, you don't know about the cardboard trick. It is frigid concrete. Concrete gets colder, oh, yeah. not warmer. So what do you do? Get the cardboard. Give you some insulation for your, for your tootsies. Bring two pieces. You and your neighbor. There you go. Like, I've learned of this trick. Uh, remember the snow game guy game against the uh, Broncos? Like when Mahomes said, I think I'm a snow game guy. And I was that. at that game. Me too. Oh, were you? So Why didn't we somebody, hang out? We didn't even know uh, each other then. We didn't know each other. Should have hung out. Someone gave up front row seats. Like not, you know, lower bowl, pretty close. to the. No, I'm talking about like I could reach over and grab a piece of equipment, basically, from the seats we had because it was snowing. And all we had to do was bring some cardboard. Layer up, and it was fine. Literally didn't feel anything. Had my toes alive the entire game. Really enjoyed it. Mm. So you can get a $50 ticket and just bring some cardboard. It really won't be that bad. Yeah, I was frozen. I, I, I was miserable. But it was cool seeing Tyreek Hill. We were in the end zone that Tyreek Hill caught his touchdown. Oh, nice. That was pretty Because it was a pretty low-scoring game. Uh, was Drew Locke the starter in that game, he too? Was. Yeah. He was. It was the game uh, Alex Okafor. Heard his uh, wow! Um, I forgot all about Alex Okafor. Yeah, and I was watching that play happen the whole time. And I, it, when it happened, I was like, "How do you not tear something there?" And he just, of, of course, course. Yeah. of course. But I, more people have that happen, and nothing happens than yeah. him. His situation. I forgot about Alex Okafor. I'm surprised the Miami Dolphins didn't take a look at him since they picked up Justin Houston, and they already have Melvin Ingram and Emmanuel Ogba. That's an old group of outside linebackers. Ancient. Um, Brant says they got three giant heaters for tailgating and a carpet for that. Smart. Carpet seems uh, even better. Nice. Yes. Nice. I feel like that would be good. 
Just no precipitation can happen because then it's just soaking wet. Yeah. But so would cardboard. Yeah, so it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, I love this. You were miserable, Sterling. My wife was seven months pregnant at the Broncos game. Hey, this is not a competition. No, 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 no. Uh, I you, lost the competition by saying that I had a good time. Uh, have you seen me? I'm soft, dude. I'm Charmin Ultra. Your wife's tougher than me, baby. I also feel like me being in basically the most insulated portion that you could possibly be in as a fan of the stadium doesn't really give me the the clout to <laughs> puff my chest out as I'm saying, saying I was sitting front row with basically every row behind me. Breathing forward, keeping the hot air in the stadium towards me. So, you know, I, I I know some people have seen this. It's been circulating now on the X. I interviewed T. Higgins and Jamar Chase this morning. ESPN was a little quicker to get their um, video up than I was, but I, I talked with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase this morning. The interview will be out in the next few days. Um, I asked him before we got out, I said, hey, who's winning the Super Bowl this year? T. Higgins immediately said, anyone with anyone but the Chiefs. Smiled, said, anyone but the Chiefs. Uh, I asked Jamar Chase, what about you, anyone but the Chiefs? And he agreed, he gives it anyone but the Chiefs. The rivalry is alive and kicking, alive and well. I'm not going to lie. Dylan, I like that, man. I, I like the fact that you have a team that even when they are not in the playoffs, and when you ask, I, I did not lead T. Higgins. That was the first thing he said. This was not me trying to ask a leading question. All I asked was, I didn't even say anything about Kansas City, by the way. Dylan, they had no idea I was from Kansas City. And the first thing I said was, who wins a Super Bowl, T. Higgins, anyone but the Chiefs. Doesn't bode well for the whole T. Higgins to Kansas City talk, huh? <laughs> uh, I, I will say, if T. Higgins does come to Kansas City as he is a free agent, the Jamar Chase-T. Higgins relationship, I don't know how that survives. There's a legit anger, it seems like, towards the Kansas City Chiefs. I asked Jamar, I said, hey, you're not afraid to trash talk. You, you you got that Reggie Miller in you. You you don't you're not scared of a little trash talk pregame if you think that even gives the other team motivation. And I talked about the Chiefs and the rivalry, and I said, "Hey, were those guys, the Chiefs players, chirping at you on the field?" He talked about the fighting. Obviously, he's like, "Yeah, man, you know they look like they're trying to fight me. I didn't want to fight. They didn't want to fight me." And you're going a little back and forth. But then he also said something I thought was a little interesting. He gave the Chiefs defense credit. This was maybe the first time I really have heard Jamar give the Chiefs defense credit because he told me, he goes, man, they do have a pretty darn good defense. You take the small victories when you can. He also said, you know, he's a leader on the Bengals, how maybe he shouldn't be doing all that stuff, how how his guys look to him. I'm not going to lie, man. I don't mind it. Just how I don't mind the Chiefs chirping back at him post-game. To the winner goes the spoils. I, 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 I've always been a fan of non-buddy-buddy. 
rivalries like this. It's more fun, right? When the Pacers and Knicks, when those two teams hated each other, wasn't that more fun? The fact that Chiefs and Bengals seemingly actually don't like each other makes it more fun. Give credit where credit's uh, where credit is due. Jamar Chase plays a great heel. And then finally, uh, I did ask Jim, uh, T. Higgins about his um, potential free agency. Because again, maybe he knows something we don't. Maybe he is coming back to the Bengals. I threw that in there. I said, you do know more than we do. But if you do become a free agent, are you excited for that chapter in your career? He was fairly noncommittal, but more or less along the lines of he does want to stay in Cincinnati if possible. That interview, again, will be posted over the next couple days on my Twitter account if you want to check that out, HomestretchKC, as well as on YouTube on uh, Stacking the Box podcast. I did talk to Troy Palomalu yesterday, which was a very fun interview. Jamar was a little uh, short on his answers. Troy Palomalu was great, very entertaining, but I asked him specifically in regards to the cold, right? I said, hey... Tua Tagovailoa is a dude from Hawaii, went to Alabama, plays in Miami. That's warm weather all the way through. So I asked Troy, I said, I said, Troy, is that overblown? Or how do you get in the mindset? Or how do, how, how do you get prepared for a game where you know it's going to be absolutely frigid? And he goes, dude, I'll tell you right now. He goes, I hate the cold. He goes, I live out in California. I live in San Diego. There's a reason. He goes, I, 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 the Midwest, y'all are crazy. He, he goes, I live in San Diego now. I don't mess with the cold. That sucks. But he goes, when you play, you have to have a mindset that you love it. So he goes, I learned to love the cold, which is interesting because when you think of Troy Palomalu, right, and you think of the Steelers, what do you think of? You think of the cold. You think of the snow. You think of those all, all those amazing plays that, that, that happen in, in cold weather. Steelers, Ravens. The Steelers, like Ravens. weather. And he goes, you, you learn to love it because of the mindset, right? But he goes, it sucks. But he, he did say, it's a massive benefit for the defense. He goes, it's much easier to have that mindset defensively than offensively. But he did throw me the caveat. He goes, we do know Mahomes is good in cold weather. Which I thought was a little interesting. He was very praiseworthy of Mahomes. Obviously, they've done those commercials together in the past. The, the, the head and shoulder, kind of fun. He, he he has a ton of respect and admiration for Mahomes. Sounds like they have a decent relationship as well. Found that kind of interesting. Uh, but that one will also be posted on Stacking the Box in my Twitter account as well. It's been a, it's been a busy couple days for your boy as we lead into uh, the playoffs here. Super Bowl week, I will actually be there on Radio Row as well. So a lot of fun content coming your way. Now, in regards to the game coming up on Saturday, um, I want to ask you this, Dylan. I'm not scared of Tyreek Hill. I'm not scared of Jalen Waddle, who missed last week and is probably going to play this upcoming week. I'm not scared of Tua Tagovailoa. I'm scared of Devon Achan, though. I'm scared of a guy who did not play against Kansas City in Germany. I'm scared of a guy who is averaging 7.8 yards per carry. That's not me pulling up college numbers. This is not a dude in the Pac-12. This is not a dude with 10 carries. Not a a one-off. 
Devon Achan averaged 7.8 yards per carry on over 100 carries this season. That is absurd. That is what makes me nervous. I think the Chiefs are more prepared than others to handle Devon Achan, but let's not get it twisted. What did Raheem Mostert go for against the Chiefs? Seven yards a carry? What was that? I'm going to pull that up right now. Raheem Mostert against the Chiefs. 7.1 yards a carry. 7.1. Now you add in Devon Achan. Dolphins offense is humming at a different level than it once was. Again, I'm not scared of Tyreek. Jerry's going to lock him up. By the way, have you noticed that Tyreek's had stone hands recently? He really is trying to fit back in with the Chiefs wide receivers. He's dropping a lot of balls. The 7.8 from Devon A. Chan, that is what makes me nervous. The Chiefs defense, if they have a weakness, what is it, Dylan? Run game. Run game. The reason why I think, though, this does not tell the full picture, the 7.8 versus the Chiefs' uh, porous run defense. The Dolphins are best when they get outside, right? One-on-one. Because Devon Achin can shoot through. He can outrun you. But what do the Chiefs' cornerbacks, the Chiefs' secondary, where do they excel? Tackling. The Chiefs' secondary might be the best tackling unit in the NFL. Trim McDuffie, Legereus Sneed. Uh, then you go to the safeties, Justin Reed, Brian Cook, Jamari Connor. Brian Cook might be back. Doubtful. Very, very doubtful. But sounds like he's not ruled out for the rest of the season. They're good tacklers. Good tacklers in space. So, I wonder if the numbers might actually skew towards Kansas City when you start looking more at outside zone runs versus up the gut. Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., Drew Tranquil, Leo Chanel, they better be in their A-game. Charles Minahu, Mike Dana, Karloff, you have to set the edge. Chris Jones, I'm not going to lie, little galaxy brain here, I don't want to see him play edge at all in this game, even obvious passing downs. Because Chris Jones is going to get after the quarterback. He's not bad stopping the run, but he's not paid to stop the run. So when he goes and plays edge, what happens? He's coming after the quarterback. He collapses. That allows extra room on the outside. I want to see Spagnuolo use Chris Jones exclusively at defensive tackle on the inside. I see you nodding your head back there, Dylan. Am I, am I, am I making some sense right here? You are making a lot of sense. See? Tua Tuckalo is not going to be running the ball, but he did have a couple of Nice first down pickups against the Bills, right? He did. But you got to watch out for Devon and Raheem Mostert, who again missed last week but potentially could be back this week against the Chiefs. You got to watch out for those guys on the outside. Inside, they don't they do not bother me. They don't. It's outside. So the edges have to set it. Got to set it. Set it and forget it. Uh we'll take a break. Come back home stretch here ESPN Kansas City.
I love the oys in the background here. You know, rock down Electric Avenue with me. Yes, sir. Dealing with you want to do it. Where even is Electric Avenue? What do you think it's at? Scranton. Mm, yeah, or maybe somewhere like New York or Los Angeles. Yeah. Picturing a burb. This grand's not technically a burb, but it's it's not Philly. Right. Only the internet might know. I don't. I don't want to know where Electric Avenue is. I want to be surprised. I, I want to constantly just have my guests of Scranton. That's what I'm rolling with. All right, going back to talking Chiefs in regards to the offensive line. Little concerns here, right? Joe Tooney had to play left tackle at one point in in the game against the Chargers, which not only do you not like to see in general, you hate to see it in a meaningless game. Juwan Taylor went down with an injury, uh, looked like what once or twice in that game. Sounds like he should be good to go. Donovan Smith is trending the correct way, right, to playing. But Wanya Morris has to pass the concussion protocol, which is not an easy thing to do. Multi-step. If I were a betting man, I would have to imagine it's probably looking more or less like it's going to be Donovan Smith at left tackle and then um, uh, Juwan Taylor at right. I, I'm slightly concerned with that, man. I, I, I think Wanya Morris has, quite frankly, been better than Donovan Smith. I don't think Donovan Smith is uh, atrocious by any means, but I, I, I do think you're in a, in, a, in a situation where you're probably getting a penalty from him. What has he shown you all season long? A, at least he's going to get a penalty a game. And you can't have that happen in a win-or-go-home situation. Um, I'm a little nervous about Donovan Smith most likely taking back over the left tackle role. Um, is in regards to Jarek McKinnon, some news came out today. Uh, good friend Matt Derrick has uh, has word that Jarek McKinnon will not return to the roster again this season. The Chiefs had been taking things week by week without Jarek McKinnon in the backfield as they were waiting for him to heal up from a groin injury. But looking like he will not be back. Uh, again, Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest has a source saying that McKinnon underwent core muscle surgery just after New Year's Day and will be out for the rest of the season. Uh, specifically, McKinnon had surgery to, to repair not only the core muscle injury, but also a fractured pelvic bone. Yikes. Sounds brutal. Um... How nervous are you about this, Dylan? How, how nervous are you that Jerick McKinnon, done for the year, how big of a loss is this for the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, I, I think it's a pretty big one because of the way that people want us to like basically change our offense into featuring the running backs just mm-hmm. as much as every other position, if not more. So it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal. And it's been something I feel like they've been trying to hopefully not come to this realization at this time. Hopefully, maybe they were trying to leave it open that maybe he would come back and not put him on IR. So, 
maybe they knew that it was a long shot when he first did whatever injury. I mean, when when, when did this happen? The groin happened a long time ago, and right. he sat it a couple times, and it just obviously worse than they realize when you have to get core muscle surgery, then you have to get surgery for a fractured pelvic bone. That's gruesome. That sounds horrible. Um, I, I, I'm more nervous now than I was because of the issues at left tackle. The issues even at right tackle, right? With, with, with the uh, banged-up Jawan Taylor. Man, wouldn't you like to have your best pass-protecting running back? Wouldn't you like to have Jerick McKinnon as Mahomes' little bodyguard? Don't get me wrong, LaMichael Pirine looks solid against the uh, the Chargers, but do you trust LaMichael Pirine the same way you trust Jerick McKinnon? I sure don't. You're looking at a heavy dose of, obviously, Isaiah Pacheco, which very, very nice to see him get a full week off, right? That was massive. Letting him rest up for a full week. 13 days, basically, right, from game to game. Is that what it is? 13 days? Huge! Letting Isaiah Pacheco has already had two shoulder surgeries this season. Letting him rest up was massive. Expect a full workload from Pacheco. Considering expecting the smattering of Clyde Edwards-Alaire to continue, I think Clyde's been fine. I think he has earned the opportunity to play the handful of snaps, carries, touches that he has been receiving. But I do think it's nice to know that this past game against the Chargers, I think, was a tryout for LaMichael Pirine. And I would say Pirine passed. The Chiefs obviously knew about the Jerick McKinnon situation more than we did. So what, what did that mean? That means that they were using this game as a tryout. I was shocked when we did not see Daneric Prince or Keontae Ingram, right? I I thought we were going to see a little backfield split. But now that we realize the situation with McKinnon, it came down to they needed to know what they have with LaMichael Pirine. Can they trust him? They needed to get him up to speed and up to speed quick. So they had him run the ball 21 times. Again, he might not play hardly at all, but break in case of emergency, I would have to expect LaMichael Pirine is the third running back active on Saturday's game. I think you trust him. Uh, Brantz says, put Joe Tooney at left tackle. Uh, Nick Allegretti, Creed, and Trey in the middle. Don't hate that at all. Hate that at all. I I do, man. Because um, Joe Tooney is... Probably, at least this season, the best left guard in football. Where is he at left tackle? Maybe 20th, maybe 25th. Again, he can play left tackle, but he's not an elite left tackle. He is the best left guard. The drop down at guard and then at tackle uh, is so drastic to me. I don't think it's worth it. I understand where you're coming from, but Joe Tooney is a break in case of emergency at left tackle. It's the versatility that you like to see. You don't want that to happen. I I, I think you still roll with Donovan Smith, who now is supposedly going to play on Saturday. Joe Tooney, and then you just roll with your normal, um, I guess, technically, your starting opening day lineup. Juwan Taylor doesn't sound like the Chiefs are very concerned about. 
McCole Hardman had himself a very up-and-down game, majority outstanding. Um, outside of two plays. McCole Hardman played 100% of snaps, 58 times offensively. Crazy for a wide receiver. And I think this was also a tryout game for McCole. Right? He had been kind of eased back into things. He had a couple injuries on his on his own, but he was eased back into things. 100% of snaps, again, similar to, to LaMichael Pirine, a, a huge dosage of him. What I saw from McCole was a player who was drastically better than MVS. What I saw from McCole was a player who can take a five-yard slant and pick up a first down. What I saw from McCole was a guy who multiple times showed strong hands to come up with the ball and then proceed to show a little yak ability. What I also saw from McCole was a guy who dropped one, which, again, drops are going to happen especially when you've not played a lot. I get that. But the one concern I have, and I hope this does not lead the Chiefs down the path of, okay, he bleeped up on a deep ball, and now we can't use him. That's why we have to keep throwing MVS out there. Because I firmly believe that one interception was on McColl. Gabbert threw the ball deep. McColl gave up on that ball, which we have seen from Chiefs wide receivers all damn year. McColl wanted to be just like another Chiefs wide receiver, huh? Because if McColl doesn't have that one disconnect on that deep ball where he gave up on the ball, I think we're talking about McColl Hardman in a different light of he is the guy to take all of MVS's snaps. But because he had that one miscommunication, I'm sitting here saying, I wonder if the Chiefs do it. I wonder how much that gets held over the head of McCole Hardman. What do you think, man? Because when they went with other wide receivers later on that game, who came in? Justin Watson. It wasn't MVS, right? What are your thoughts here? Is this is this a case of MVS was, you know what? It is where he is. They're, they're, they're going to live and die by Marquez. Or is it a case of, this was a tryout for McCole Hardman, and you feel comfortable enough to say, all right, it's going to be... Obviously, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson maybe will get a bump up, an uptick in his wide receiver count, and McColl will kind of fill in that wide receiver three role. Where are you on this? I mean, you got to try anything that you can, right? I mean, if it's not working out with a guy that's been in your system for two years in MBS, shouldn't you give a chance to someone again, basically? I mean, what? I don't know uh, what you have to lose. I guess I, I'm not saying what because you and I what, think. Oh yeah, right. I, I'm saying what do you think the Chiefs do? Because we're in the same boat. I, same boat. Justin Watson. Right. Justin Watson gets all of the deep balls for MVS. Uh, McCole Harmon plays a larger snap count, and then maybe you throw in a smattering more of Richie. Right? Yeah, that's probably what we want. But do you think we'll actually see that? No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what what they they are your prototypical. We're right because it's our idea, and we're going to do this until we are right, or we can figure out a way to just wash our hands of it and sweep it under the rug, basically. It's kind of their way of doing things. See Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, but Clyde at least has shown No, he's a done 
a little bit more this year, I will agree. However, they have been force-feeding him down our throats his entire tenure as a chief, even sure. though it was the wrong decision because we see we could have had number five, who was formerly number 85 in Cincinnati, instead. Yeah. So, yeah, and he'd Sunk be cost. helping us Sunk cost. make Jamar's nightmare come true, essentially. Sure. But... Again, you can go and do that with every single team and every single draft with every single pick. You can go find oh yeah three or four picks I mean, later a Hall of Famer. Look look look, look at Kyrie Elam versus Trent McDuffie. Exactly. I yeah. mean, look great at the great Bills. Point. Yeah, great point. Uh, I, it can go good and it has gone good for us. Look at Lajarius Sneed in the fourth round. Look yeah. at Chris Jones. I mean, I mean, there's a plethora of guys. It's mm-hmm. it's so easy to say. Well, looking back on it now, but that Everyone was the one wants again. To be the Steelers of '74. Everyone understands. Most people understand. Most. We all hated the pick of Clyde Bridgewater, not because it was Clyde, but because it was a running back. Yeah. Now, again, my evaluation was wrong in the sense that I said Clyde was the best running back if in the you draft. Are going to take a first round running back though? You better hit on it. It's a good spot too. Thirty two. Sure, it's a good spot. Again, hate also it. hate it then, hate it now. But again, sunk cost. She's got to move on. Um, what did you see from Justin Ross? What What, what did you see Effort. from Ross? Like I was telling Josh during the game, we were watching. It's like, wow, he just really put a lot of effort into that curl route yes and it kind of seems like there's the the discrepancy in the locker room i feel like is some people have arrived after last year's success and some people see it as a stop on the road map we need more i think we can i think it's safe to assume who we can list as people that have arrived sure mbs Kadarius, tony i think are two pretty obvious ones um, Jalen Watson was called out by coaches before the season. Now, I don't yeah. know if it was specifically him, but they called out somebody. Yeah. And it seems like he's the only person from last year's rookie class that doesn't see as, you know, as much playing time as he did last year. So, you know, some people don't handle success very well. And I feel like that is more so than, you know, it does tie into the enemy being a bit of a taskmaster versus Matt Nagy, more of a good cop than a bad cop. Sure. And, yeah, I, I think that the reason why the Patriots had so much success is because the head guy and the quarterback, who's basically second in command, have the same almost opposite mindset of, if you mess up, you might not have a jersey tomorrow. Sure. Versus we're doing Ring Around the Rosie and drawing up all these fun little lab yeah, plays. Yeah, but, but both have worked to an extent, right? The Chiefs... One has two Super Bowl championships, the other has six. No, I'm not disagreeing there, but my point is the Chiefs have the goal has still been five straight AF, hosted yes, five straight AFC Championship games. have reached success and multiple times have reached success, so I will give you that. And, and, and I'll also say, I think it's... I get what you're saying, but with, with in regards to Andy Reid specifically, yeah. I think it, you almost have to start it when he gets. And maybe I'm wrong here, but I I, I almost start it when he gets Mahomes because Bill Belichick I, yeah, I, he's I a great will, coordinator, but you kind of start it when he gets Tom no, Brady, I agree right? With that. I agree with that. And if you want to do that, you're going to think that Andy Reid's a better coach than Bill Belichick, and you you might not be wrong. As weird as that is for me to say, someone that really sure. loves Bill Belichick, these last few years have shown you like, wow, Andy Reid was making Kevin Cobb. Kevin Cobb, a good, seriously, Matt Moore in a, in a game, Chad Hinney in a game, and they couldn't, you know, they really couldn't do anything with Cam Newton, who was, you know, not the same person. But I feel like Andy Reid with Cam Newton would do a lot more than Bill Belichick would have. Sure. And so, yeah, I agree that you can start Andy Reid's right now. But what I'm saying is the reason why Bill won six instead of two or three 
is that mentality that he instilled where everyone fears for their job, whether or not you won the Super Bowl last year or not. It sure. doesn't matter. There's no grace period. There's no, oh, well, we bought us some, bought ourselves some time feeling. Sure. Like you have with this team. Sure. Where we're kind of showing up late to press conferences. We're doing all this other stuff. We're kind of doing it how we want to do That's it. That's more for here. you, though, right? More for us. But also, <laughs> you know, like people taking 30 minutes in between pressers and stuff is like kind of the vibe of, yeah, we're the best and deal with it. Yeah. Instead of like, this is a stop in the map. This is a stop along the way of the journey to becoming a dynasty. I think there's the two differences of philosophy. Where do, where does that land then for you in regards to Travis Kelsey sitting week 18? Because you can view it two ways. I think you can view it two ways. You can view it as a way of a guy who is nearing the end of his career. Yeah. Who, what use does he have for, for these records? The, the, the most ever outside of what the seven straight Travis Kelsey thousand yard seasons um, he's put up, Travis Kelsey has three. Greg Olson, right? You're already looking at what is almost, I'm not saying it is, but almost an unbreakable record for the position, right? He's he, Could it be a guy saying, you know what, I'm almost towards the end of my career. I just, I need some time off. Or is it a guy who understands that he goes, okay, I care more about team accolades and the Super Bowl than personal accolades. I could play this game. I've been banged up all week. I've been limited in practice all week. But I want my 16 yards because I want that for history. Which way do you view the Travis Kelsey sitting week 18? Because I, I personally am viewing it as the second term. I view it more as Travis Kelsey. He did this because he had the choice. And he chose, hey, I've been beat up. I've been limited in, in practice. I could probably go out there and get 16 yards. But then what happens on Saturday? One, that's not Sunday. You lose a day in, in recovery. And you've been banged up. You, you're going to get banged up yet again. You won't be healthy. I, I, told, I took this as a Travis Kelsey took, chose the team over personal. That's the way I view that decision. How do you view it? I view it that way, too. I view it as more of a team-first mindset than him first, which is nice. Now, if Greg Olson had seven straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons and this was the eighth one, obviously he would be out there. And that, I, I think so, too. That would not be a selfish thing. No. I just think it is a little, you know, how far do you need this record really to be out? Sure. And, well, it sucks because of, remember what I said, is every... I'm glad I haven't seen it that much. I have seen our favorite person, Nick Adams, has actually said this. I should have just guessed that it was going to be him that said it. But, like, blaming the fact that he's just enjoying his life about having a life. You know it's a parody account, right? I do. I do. Okay. But he's also playing towards the people that I I know, but I, I, have to, I, I have to let you know, you know it's a parody account, right? I think he's a gimmick account, not a no, parody. No, it's a parody I think he believes this stuff. He's he he quotes himself as Trump's favorite author and actually writes books. No, for... no, it's a joke. He's being, it's a parody account. You don't believe it. No guys, come on. You don't think that guy believes what? No, he's doing. I don't. I think he. I think he. He. He understands. I think at he's, first he did, and now he's, he's turned it up to Spinal Tap eleven. Yeah, it's Spinal Tap. That, that's what I'd, I'd view as Spinal. Tap. I think he was at ten naturally, and now once he's seen the money you can make from being a yes, idiot, that's my point. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll agree there, but also, 
there are people under him. Oh, absolutely. You're totally right, Nick. So those are the people I was talking about. Other than that, who cares? Yeah. I, I, again, Kelsey chose team over self. And I applaud that in regards to him sitting out week 18 with a potential extension of the record on the line. I, and Jason made a good point. He's like, the other ones happened in the flow of the season. This one feels forced. It would have felt forced. Good yeah. point. Uh, we will take a break. Come back. Home stretch here. ESPN Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN at Kansas City. Before we get out of here, I want to talk to you a little college football. I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it yet, man. We haven't talked a lot about it at all. We haven't talked about it. Well, I've been gone. We've been busy. That's we're, that's quite a Monday. phrase. We haven't talked a lot about it at all. That was nice. Well, I guess Monday I was here, but the game didn't happen yet. And then Tuesday we were gone because we had a snow day, baby. It's Wednesday. All right, what, what were your thoughts on that, man? Because the, the, the game was way closer than the final score indicated. Uh, and by the way, Michael Penix did not look good. But overarching thoughts, what, what were your overarching thoughts on that Michigan victory? I think Michigan would have won the national championship regardless of anything that happened with them off the field this season. And I think that they proved Agreed. that by winning how they did and after it was found out. Agreed. Um, Michigan was a better team. The refs were very questionable in regards to the holding calls, but into the day, Michigan was going to win regardless of the way the calls fell. I was rooting for Washington, but Michael Penix Jr., um, man, if you are a fan of a team and you draft him, you're going to look at that game and it has some serious question marks because he looked atrocious under pressure. Now, against Texas, he looked great. He was dropping the ball into the bucket, looked really good. I get he was getting banged up in this game, but, man, it looked like he was bailing out of every single throw. He was opening up and just bailing out. It It was not not encouraging in regards to the, uh, the Michael Penix Jr. first-round top-10 draft pick. Uh, this was the home stretch right here on ESPN Kansas City. We'll be back live in studio tomorrow, 3 to 4 p.m. We're joined by Josh Briscoe. Until then, we are out.